Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grind Line Podcast. You're listening to episode 171. I am here tonight with Ryan and uh, not Tyler, which whatever. Tyler has uh, his Boston fandoms coming out. Girlfriend commitments. He'll learn. Yeah, it means he's watching the game. I guarantee it. Probably. Um, But we've got big news. I mean, big news in Red Wings land. The most exciting opening I think you've had in a long time. And I wonder why that could be. it's because Steve Eiserman had a press conference today. So we all got to see his lovely face on TV, but also that Jeff Blaschel is not renewed uh, for next season. Hey, there's a reason for that press conference other than the fact that it is the end of the year, but let's go ahead. Go ahead. Start yeah. Out. We had kind of known that this was going to happen. I mean, it was uh, no surprise. Did to, we though? It was no surprise to like 98% of the fan base. There are people that are like, Oh my God, I'm so shocked. So shocked that Jeff Blaschel is not coming back. And because everyone had said, oh, they would need to fire him because he's on a two year contract. We said, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it was a one year contract with a one year option. Turned out it was a one year contract with a second year option. They declined to pick up the second year. Also gone with him were Doug Huda and Jeff Salako. So there is your penalty kill coach, like your more defensive coach and your um, goaltending coach. So you're going to need a new goaltending coach, a new defensive coach and a new head coach, but Alex Tangay does stay. But Jeff Blaschel, longest, was he the second longest tenured coach behind Cooper at that point? Uh, Now gone. Yeah, all that leaves on their coaching staff is Tangay, LJ Scarpace, which I don't want to mispronounce it, and uh, Jeff Reindrop, which good for Jeff because he was fantastic as their video coach. So, or LJ and Jeff, they were fantastic as the video coaches. So, yeah, they need... Wholesale changes. I was, were you worried that Tangay was going to be part of the choppy block? I mean, I was, but I wasn't worried. No. I mean, if he went, I would have been neither here nor there because of how our penalty or how our power play was this season was not good. But I feel that we saw it in preseason, right? We saw how good the power play could be in preseason. And then I feel like the two or three times of it not working it reversed. I think I don't think that Tangay had full control of the power play from the beginning of the season. And real, that, real that was quick. a problem. I think we need to get some clarity here since this is actually going to be recorded and posted as to why you're wearing shit all over your body. Playoffs, baby. Who's going to, I, okay. So it was, I have 
jerseys from two teams that are currently in the playoffs. So it was Colorado or St. Louis. So next week I'll wear a St. Louis jersey and make everyone feel better. But I thought we were past that. I thought we were past that, Ryan. We're not past hating Colorado. Teams have overtaken Colorado on my hate list. Toronto, Boston, Chicago. Because we don't play the West like we used to. Nashville. Chicago and Toronto share number one for the, till the end of time. I mean, the Avalanche have probably fallen out of the top five of teams I hate. If you look at it, right? Boston, yeah. Tampa. I hate Tampa more than Colorado now. Yeah, I don't know. The problem, it's, it's right now I feel like you, you had a reason to hate Colorado before. Now you've got kind of a reason to cheer them on because their team's really fucking good. True. Like really fucking good. And They were run by the guy that we hated though. They're run by the second best general manager behind ours. So, I mean, they're, yeah. they're always, they're always going to be second best, even in their general managing days, uh, always going to be second best, but I am wearing for those listening and not watching on YouTube. I am wearing a Colorado avalanche Jersey because it is playoffs. And because I think, and because I don't have a Florida Panthers Jersey, that's why I can't bring myself to put money down on that. Maybe on the Florida Panthers, and I just learned this today. Did you know that their home and away uniforms differ other than just in fact they're different colors? They're different designs. So the Florida Panther logo on the home jerseys say Florida. On the away, say Panthers. Um, just so they can remind everyone in the arena what state they live in. No, they treat it like baseball. I would not have noticed that. Thank you, Ryan, for the random piece of hockey trivia today. Uh, actually, I give my thanks to Japers Rink, the Washington Capitals Twitter podcast writers, what, what have you. Whatever you want to call them. They posted that. So they have a lo- very large following oh. on, on the Capitals side, but they posted that today. That's really interesting. Back up, so I, don't, I saw that. I was like, no shit. Because you think about it, because Detroit, when they're on the road, they're wearing Detroit across the chest at home. They don't have it. I mean, d- depends on which teams you look at. Like some of them do the home and away, like Baltimore, for instance. I think they do something similar as well. Hold on, I'm trying. I would do it the other way. I would display your. I might have it backwards. I could be going your state to name right away so that the people you're playing against know where you're from. People at home know where you're from. You, you I live there. Backwards. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. So, hold on. So no, their home jerseys they say Panthers across the chest. That makes more sense. Yeah, and the away jerseys say Florida. So my apologies. Yeah. But it's, it's still, I, it's a subtle little thing that I never realized. Yeah, it's so when they're away that the the other fans know where they're from. Yeah, basically. like the Orioles. This is another example that he he provided. Like their home uniforms say Orioles. Their away uniforms say Baltimore. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But like Jeff Blaschel does end his career with a record of 204, 261, and 72 for a win percentage of 44.7, only making the playoffs in his inaugural year. And we had an entire episode dedicated to this a while back where he lost talent every year up until I would say this season, I could not pin the records solely on Jeff Blaschel this season. I can't even pin it solely on Jeff Blaschel, but I think this season he had, especially the second half had a lot more to do with it than in previous seasons. Like we said, he had lost every year. He had lost talent without replacing it. And then that's Ken Holland's fault. We know that Ken Holland signed the bad contracts. He signed the vets. He made panic moves like Franz Nielsen. 
he tried to rebuild on the fly and keep the streak alive. And that hurt the team in the long run by depleting their system and just overall sandbagging them with shitty players on long, terrible Albatross contracts until this season where the only terrible contract left was what Danny DeKaiser, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you could argue Nick Luddy for how he was with us, but of course he leaves Detroit to greener pastures and plays well. So, but yeah, your worst contract was, was DeKaiser because he's old and decrepit now. This season you could say, and it was, it went off so good first half of the season up until, up until the all-star break. You're like, wow, this team Mm -hmm. is overdoing expectations. And then it rolls around. And they hit the wall. And Iserman did kind of bring that up today. He said he knew after the All-Star break that the schedule was going to get a lot harder. But there was one reoccurring theme in the press conference today, and that was defense. The word defense was said so many times. Iserman said that the team overall never really played well defensively, had a lot to be desired defensively. The defense was bad. They couldn't play defense. So that is, that was kind of the overreaching thing. Yeah. His, his whole thing on the defense, I think the comments I, I wrote down were damning mentioned the coaching staff. And obviously that's why we see Huda and Blashill being relieved of their duties more or less, or not, not brought back. Yep. But he didn't stop just there. And he flat out, he didn't name names, obviously. Why would he, but no he reason didn't hold back in the sense that the players basically sucked. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the cliff notes version is like, this was right out the gate just about, and he's like, that's an area that it's going to have to improve bring. He's going to have to bring in a new coach to see if they can do that, improve the team with what they have. Meaning will there be wholesale changes? We don't know. He, there's some names brought up internally, more specific like Edmondson that he didn't tip his cap to say that he's a lock to be on this team, Yeah, but it's possible. But you bring in a guy like that, you're going to improve defensively. However, you still have to build around that. And that's where we had the, the mystic Iserman coming out where that's, that could be trades that could be free agency that can be internal. We don't know. I love Steve Iserman. Um, I think we're going to take kind of his bullet points, the, the questions one by one tonight and go over that press conference that he had, because he did have, they really didn't do in the Red Wings. I don't recall them doing it last season, either a locker room kind of clean out where the mm-hmm. players get in front of the media and do their final things. I, maybe they had something over zoom after the fact, but they didn't no. get, they didn't get the players out today, but they did Iserman's availability. And I think we should go one by one and take these kind of questions as to where they're going and then end with what we think is going to happen next. So uh, the first thing I had written is that Iserman said that the team had gotten to a point that's this season's team fundamentally with or without the puck, they had regressed. That is the reason for bringing in uh, new staff. Now he is saying toward from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, when they like, like I said, started out strong and then post all-star break, they regressed with or without the puck, meaning they weren't retrieving pucks again, not playing defensively. Uh, He said he cannot specifically say what he's looking for in a new coach, but he's looking to improve both team and individual play. And I don't want to jump around because I kind of moved my notes a little bit, but I mean, to the point of coaching, like you got to think that he's got an idea of who he might want to go. with. Oh, sure. He's had interviews for the past few days. You, you would think, I mean, he kind of made it sound like he didn't have anything lined up. 
obviously not tipping his cap. I'll probably say that a ton throughout, but no, there were, there were a few points where he did tip his cap. There was one where he said, I just talked to someone the other day. Yeah. But he also made the comment. He's like, I'm going to see what you guys write about. I'm going to see, talk to people I know to see who who they know of. And I'm going to, he's going to compile, compile all these notes, whether or not he's just blowing smoke up people's ass for the sake of it. It's very possible, but to me, it sounded more like there was uncertainty rather than knowing where he wants to go with it. Now, I'm sure he's already got a list compiled. Oh, sure. If, if, for who we're talking about, that'd be silly of him not to. But the timeline, I think, is going to be critical. And I know I know Art mentioned that later on, like, how quickly is this going to happen? And he danced around this a few times. Like, he's he jokingly said it, a hell of a coaching staff in place by training camp. We know realistically... If you don't, have, if he doesn't have his coach locked in before the draft, it could cause problems. Yeah, new players, new system. You, you need that buildup and that time to get something in place. Now, granted, yes, training camp is where all that has to come together, but there still has to be communication in between. And it's yeah, you need to build that familiarity time. is what you yep. need to start doing between the players and the coach. They've got to get together. They've got to do the some teams. of their their bonding exercise, team building exercises. Maybe they'll go. Golfing. Bowling somewhere or play a go to, yeah, go to top golf, get a top rent out of top golf and go golfing. But yeah, they, you got to kind of get that familiarity. You can't wait all the way up until training camp to put in a new coach. No, it's just not going to work with the team. Uh, some of the other things he said around that same subject, he said that the wings were keeping up uh, with the team in the same position as them and knew it was going to be a bigger challenge in the second half. Some of it was sustaining high level of play, but he kept mentioning the need to get better defensively. I said, which we totally agreed. Uh, he also said that he is looking at all of the top leagues in the world that good coaches are able to adjust. That is one thing that we had continuously brought up is Blashell not being able to adjust to what is happening. Yep. He said good coaches can adjust. At the end of the day, good coaches know the need and they get the players to play to it. Yeah, I, I actually wrote down that specific quote. So it was good coaches know what the needs of the team are, have certain standards and try to get their players to play to that. And as you just mentioned, that yeah. didn't happen. I mean, did not you happen. could argue maybe early on that it kind of did, but I think at the same time, they were just scoring goals and keeping pace to kind of cancel out for that. They weren't really adjusting. They were just doing what they had to do to survive the second half of the season that got exposed. Yeah. They made a lot of backwards adjustment where, like you said, the first part of the season, they were playing really well. And you could see it. There was pressure. They stopped the dump and chase. The power play was good. And then maybe there were two games in a row or three games in a row where stuff started to slow down. Then you'd see the dump and chase start to come back. You'd see the power play start to get stale and be too much passing and not enough action. And I think at that point, what what happened is Blashell reverted to safe hockey and safe hockey doesn't win games. You've got to, you've got to build the pressure. You've got to sustain the pressure. You've got to try new things. And that's part of Iserman's thing is good coaches can adapt. Now it's not saying Blashell's not a good coach because he even said later, later on that Blash, he said Blash is a good coach, knows the program because it was dictated by Steve, did an outstanding job leading the organization in a very difficult circumstance that it wasn't a complete quote shit show. Literally I'm putting that on a, T-shirt I'm putting wasn't a complete shit show. Steve Eiserman 2021-22 season. You did put that on a shirt. I think I, that thing so. It'd be amazing. But I think that, that that's kind of the main point that he kept going back to is that 
you need to adjust. Good coaches adjust. Good coaches change what's happening on the ice based on the patterns that they're seeing. And that is one thing that you can't fall back into what you consider safe hockey because safe hockey is not going to progress your team and it's not going to win games. Uh, Iserman said he cannot specifically say what he's looking for in a new coach. He's looking to improve the team, both team and individual play. And another thing that was asked was where they are in the rebuild. And his initial answer was at the end of year three and beginning of year four, which uh, classic Steve Iserman, but he says he wishes he could give an answer to where they are in the rebuild says he doesn't even know where they are in the draft. So there's a lot of uncertainty around the question. And he said, we still got draft. We still have free agency. We still have potential trades, although he said he does not expect to make many trades, if any, which was another thing. Yeah, which which was another thing that came up. The rebuild is still in the not I don't want to say infant stages, but it's still early. And a coach is just part of that. And I think that's also why it was time, because you're you're at the point in the rebuild where you're going to take those next steps into the playoffs and you want the coach that's going to help them get through it. I think to that point too, I don't know if you mentioned it, but what kind of spurred all that digging into is Ansar Khan was trying to get him to kind of tip his cap again. I'm going to probably say that like a thousand times tonight. Tip, but tip his hand. Tip his hand as to the type of coach. Like we know that they're bad defensively. So does that mean he's going to go to defensive coach? And he's like, he doesn't feel, I, I liked how he put it that this is what led into the coaches can make adjustments piece is that he doesn't believe coaches are typically offensive minded or defensive minded. You can make that argument, but I think yes. Did you make the comment today or someone made the comment that you need somebody that's going to be aggressive and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be offensively aggressive or defensively aggressive. They're just going to be strong in the puck and be hard to play against. Whereas maybe like, like you said, we didn't really necessarily see that sometimes with Detroit, other than the fact when they get pissed off, they'd start making some hits and get oohs and ahs. But he, I like the way that he avoided saying that he's going to look for someone that's going to be a shutdown defensive type coach. Because you think back to it, was Scotty Bowman that way? I know that's a tall comparison to make. He was defensively sound. Sure. He taught the players how to play defense. He, yeah. And then they, he, then their offense sprang out. So that's the thing. That's a good call out. So Scotty Bowman did not coach necessarily coach an offensive style of game. He coached the individual players to be defensive. Mm -hmm. He told Steve Eiserman, you're great at offense. You need to work on your defense. He let the players know what they needed to do. And they did it not saying that he put it into his schemes necessarily. And and into some point he did, because I mean, it was the nineties you kind of had to be, but it, he didn't force it into us. He didn't force the team into a play style. He shaped the individual players. And that's um, what spurred such great offensive teams. Yeah. And that's part of the thing. Uh, Max asked about the expectations. What are your expectations? And Iserman said that he doesn't know that his expectations have changed. They've struggled defensively. Part of the reason is personnel. That's what he said. And that means basically, yeah, sure. Part of the reason that we struggled defensively is because the coaches were not coaching the players defensively. They were not saying that you need to work on your defense. This is how you do it. Mm -hmm. The other part was that for a majority of the season, our defensemen really bad. 
Yeah. And we had seen that stat wise. We we'd look at the lines. This this defensive core was worse than last season. Didn't think that was going to happen. And it it's great though that I mean not great, but it's interesting that the team was worse defensively, but still a better team than last season. So that tells you where the forwards have progressed in this case. He said, I mean, over and over again, that he's not go. There's decisions to make on the roster, not just targeting the blue line. We'll look at all avenues to improve the team that he doesn't foresee there being a trade that really makes sense on the market. He's going to look for ways that are not just coaching to fix the defensive issues. And I think at the end of the day, you're looking for a well-rounded coach. He also said a lot about experience. They don't need to be an experienced NHL head coach. He's going to look at all the top teams for talent. Like you said, he's going to look at who people are suggesting, who uh, others have worked with, who he, he did tip his hand at one point. Um, And he said, he, he said he's going to, he's like, I'm going to say something more than I probably would like to. He says he finds it difficult to hire people he doesn't know or hasn't worked closely with. Says it's more than he would like to reveal. But he wants to be able to know that the person he's picking works well with the way he kind of manages, basically. Knows Steve's style, knows Steve's work regimen, can work within it. And that is the, that's the one thing that I thought was really interesting and I'm still scrolling through my tweets because I live tweeted the whole thing. And uh, he's not, that tells me that you, you can really limit the coaching search if he's going to say, I'm only going to hire people that I, I work with. Because he had, had also mentioned like young, young coaches or new and experienced coaches in the league when he mentioned John Cooper. He mentioned Sheldon Keefe in Toronto. But he also mentioned Guy Boucher as a person that he had hired that he didn't know well enough and it ended up not being great. So it's fair, especially when it comes to coaching. Yeah. So take that how you will, but it could be that they. Oh, I shouldn't say fair. I don't know if I said that's appropriate to say fair, but it makes sense. Sure. And take it how you will. But I think that you're going to see a, a coach probably that has some ties to Iserman or has worked with Iserman in the past. Now that could be a, and and we'll talk a little bit toward the end of the podcast about choices, but that could be Elaine Lambert, who has been the hot name mentioned for a while. That could be a Benoit Gruel, who is the head coach of the Syracuse crunch. That could be, I mean, uh, there's, there's a bunch of different people and keep people keep bringing up jar glant. Absolutely not. I don't want that near this team. There's a lot of choices to be like, it's Fedorov. And I also don't think that they would hire Fedorov, but I think, and again, he said, he's not limiting himself. He's not trying to force himself into a certain criteria for his search, but he says it's harder for him to hire people that he doesn't know or has never worked with before. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting, and it's fun to look at what Max has put together over there at the Athletic on a list of coaches because he kind of touches on some of those things where there's NHL experience. He he covers the AHL guys. Like I know that um, this morning, who was the old Grand Rapids coach? Who Todd Nelson? Todd Nelson. You're probably in the wrong thread, but Todd yeah, Nelson sh- is still my number. Like guys like that that have been around the team, but Grant, he left, I think right before Iserman came here or around, around the same time. Like, does he look at a college coach? 
Yeah. Does he go that route again? Like with what we saw with Bednar, like you mentioned, but I think that for most wings fans, you got to think that they're focusing on two guys. Would you say that's fair at this point? As, I, as the fans, whether or not Iserman's doing it, that's just, we're never going to know until it happens. So us and the rest of the talking heads. Yes. We are focused on two names. Those names are Ricard Gronborg and Lane Lambert. Those mm-hmm. are the two names we're really focused on. There's another one that we've thrown in. I think that Roger Ronberg would be a good choice too. Roger Ronberg is currently the coach of Frolunda. Red Wings in, East. Yeah, in the SHL and is familiar with, oh God, it's going to be like half of our organization by next year. At this point, yeah. And that's another name that's been thrown around. But I think we have a few more things we want to talk about on the presser before we move into coaching. Yeah, just on that point, Ryan, Eiserman says he has a few names in his head for the coaching job, but will not restrict mm-hmm. his search based on certain criteria. Doesn't have to be an NHL coach or even a head coach. He will take info from every avenue available to him. The timetable on coaching search doesn't, uh, Eiserman says he doesn't have a date, but would like it to be done sooner rather than later. That's and then, the yeah, and then later on mentioned that he, he gave kind of a couple dates, not dates, but time periods. He said that, uh, let's see, uh, he would like to get a coach not long after the end of the finals before the draft and free agency. It makes the offseason process a lot easier. You've got less than a month, right about a month and a half then. And if he's kind of saying not long after the end of the finals, could he be looking at a coach who's currently in the playoffs? an assistant coach that's currently in the playoffs. I mean, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you who that would possibly be, but that could be a a decision made there too. But again, he said he's already had conversations with some people currently. So there's a bunch, he's not going to restrict himself to three names. He'll interview everyone he thinks is appropriate. He said before, when he made coaching decisions that he interviewed a bunch of people and, and felt really good about a few, but then ended up not hiring them because you get one interview that sticks in your mind and you keep interviewing people. And then that person ends up winning out. So uh, he was asked about grand Rapids said he was happy with the coaching staff in grand Rapids. Uh, I he like says, that question. I was, yeah. It was good to hear that. Cause he said he was pleased with their staff and he reiterated how it was challenging. I think it was almost more challenging for yeah, them. He down said there more challenging. They had to deal with the taxi squads, COVID travel restrictions, I mean, you saw how much that Detroit just this season with, with injuries was having to do emergency recalls, which left Grand Rapids shorthanded. So, I mean, and you talk to the, the likes of Jen or Brandon and their love-hate relationship with call-ups because they were so depleted. I mean, they granted, they got to see Bergeron all year. So, at, yep. with that being the case, I don't really feel so bad. But that's besides the point. Yeah. Uh, speaking of prospects, he was asked about quite a few of them. So on Edmondson, he said he has a chance of playing the NHL next year, different than Cider, but Iserman is optimistic about it. I mean, Edmondson's really kind of the only one besides Berggren. He gave some comments on Berggren too. Um, but Edmondson, I would say, is probably your closest to a lock. Uh, Iserman has said he's been very pleased this season with Berggren. Uh, he's improving the areas of the game that they asked him to improve on. He has a chance to make the team, but isn't a lock, says Raymond wasn't a lock last season. And they were planning on him not to be ready. And then you saw what, what happened. I think Bergeron's kind of in the same boat as what the coaching staff is expecting of of him, his readiness to be, but uh, we'll see what happens. He would not commit to any prospect being on the roster next season. Yeah. He kind of used the same terminology for Bergeron and Edmondson in a way, but 
leaned more into Edmondson being on the roster. Whereas Berger and he didn't commit to him, said he wasn't a lock, but they're going to treat him more like Raymond where he had a great, he's coming off a great season. And if he can bring that in, the door is wide open. Basically he, he said that Berger and he's not destined for Grand Rapids. Yep. It's a possibility depending on how, how camp goes in the sort, but the odds for Bergen are good. I think the odds for Edmondson are great. But he also said that he is not going to not make moves to save room nope. for rookies. So in free agency, he thinks he's going to make, he's going to make the moves that he feels will better the team, regardless of rookies making or not. You, you have to, at the end of the day, you come up with your final roster. You have a top player out there. You're going to go get them if you, if you can. Yeah, Absolutely. But he also said that he doesn't intend to trade prospects or high draft picks for players. Uh, Young players, prospects or picks would only be traded for young players that fit the timeline. And he mentioned like some of their older young players are 25, 26, and they would have to people they bring in. He said he really probably wouldn't bring any any, anyone like trade picks or prospects for anyone older than that, Mm -hmm. because they're not going to fit the team's timeline. He's basically saying that, at the end of the day, your veterans on this team are going to be guys like Bertuzzi and Fabry and Larkin. And I'm not going to go trading for old players because in the end of the day, it's not going to matter. They're not going to be here when they make the playoffs. So why spend assets on them? That may, that'll speak highly again to the type of contracts we could expect in the soft season, yep. depending on how old the guy is. I mean, we've already seen it up to this point from day one. You're seeing one and two year deals unless you're under maybe 26 years old, then you might get three depending on who you are. But even because yeah. the only expect, the only person we can expect to be seeing a long-term deal right now is going to be Larkin. And hopefully we see that as soon as the season's over. I think you could also maybe see one with Bertuzzi, depending yeah. on how he wants to do it. Um, Bert's gone real short contracts, real short contracts. I mean, you may see. He's a, also been gone through arbitration. You might see a five-year contract for Bertuzzi. I don't see many six-year contracts. I think you either give him five or he goes seven or eight on Bertuzzi. Honestly, at this point, I think if he can lock some of these guys up for that type of term, the better mm-hmm. with the cap situation. Oh, yeah. We're, yep. yeah, we're gaining a, a million next coming into this next season. And then it's knock on wood. It's only going to go up from there. Yeah. So get these guys now, especially the Larkin deal. You, this is going to be a Stamkos 2.0. Now, I get it. I'm not trying to make the comparison between those two as players, but when it comes to the contract situation and having that team friendly deal, quote unquote, yep, like that, that's what you're going to, you're hoping for. And the way that he, maybe you could say it was his re coming out party this year for Larkin showing that he is deserving of a top center. Absolutely. Oh yeah. You saw a hundred from the start of the season, a hundred percent healthy Larkin. Yeah. That's what that was in a hundred percent healthy Larkin on a fucking tear. And the captain of this team, we're not going to be as bad as we were last season. Yep. Came out fucking guns blazing, almost a point, like two points off a point per game pace. And then has the core muscle surgery. And you could tell in the he past two weeks that he was playing hurt because he was a little slower. I mean, even uh, Lucas Raymond, it was announced today that Lucas Raymond's not going to the world championships. His um, agent came out and said, here's your options. You can go to the world championships or you can stay. He said, you do what's right for you and for your development and your health and stuff. And Larkin, or not Larkin, Raymond decided that he was going to go home, rest up, 
get prepared because it's a long season, especially for someone who's never played a full season in the NHL. But imagine, and someone said earlier uh, on Twitter, imagine having November Lucas Raymond for an entire season. I would say the rookies didn't technically hit the quote rookie wall this season. They did slow down towards the end, but we're just lucky that they didn't like come two months ago, just stop production. Stop at the all-star break or something like that. Exactly. So that's the one thing that we we were looking at there on the other prospects. Steve says Elmer Soderblom isn't signed yet. Has an, uh, he had an informal chat with his agent and there's mutual interest in a contract We'd like to bring him to North America next year, whether in Detroit or Grand Rapids. He did say that whether in Detroit or Grand Rapids when speaking about Elmer Soderblom yeah. says he hopes uh, that Elmer makes the world championship roster. As of today, he's still there with the team playing an exhibition, but has not been named to the final roster yet. In that, I think to me, hearing that about Lord Elmer is yeah, the behemoth. Because that is a different type of player that Detroit doesn't have. I mean, you could say that Rasmussen fits that mold strictly, yep. but it's strictly because of size. Yeah. I love Raz. He's probably the most improved player on this team this season. But Soderblom brings a whole new level of skill and size that this team has not had ever. Bronson? Is that no? He, not he even. wasn't even that big. No, I mean, Iserman also went on at length about Elmer Soderblom and how he's huge, but he's also like athletic, like really athletic. He said when they brought him in, he said a couple of years ago when they brought him in and did kind of like their their fitness testing, he said he was already powerful and explosive a couple of years ago. And then he said, imagine what he can do going forward, <laughs> that he's showing improvement and just needs to keep that going. And he said for big guys, like sometimes the guys have trouble growing into their body. And he said, he's like done it and he's just that big and he's got the hands and he's athletic. And Iserman basically had nothing but great stuff to say about uh, Elmer. And then he went on to talk about Kosa. He said, Kosa, someone had asked about Kosa. So Kosa is still a ways away, not close to the NHL, will not determine where he plays next season until after his season is over. I think the thing to take away from that, He's not close to the NHL, but it doesn't mean that he couldn't play soon, sooner rather than later in the AHL. Sure. Because I he think he could go to the AHL next season and be a backup. He just had a great first round series for Edmonton. He's what? Is he, is he, is he 19 now? I can't. Uh, I think so. But Iserman also said that he hopes, selfishly hopes that Edmonton goes late into the playoffs because just experience for Kosa oh, yeah. in that kind of environment. I think we all hope for that case to, to shut some people up. I hope he wins and that would just be like a giant fuck you for mm-hmm. them benching him the entire world junior championships because he had one bad exhibition game. Well, hey, look how many players improve or bounce back like no other from getting a snub on a, on a Look at William team. Wallander. William Wallander was snubbed. And he won uh, under 20 player of the year. He yeah. came back in a huge way. And he could be one of the top guys to keep an eye on. And then I think we'll end with my most interesting question of the night, which was the last question. He was asked about access to Who Chris Illich's that? checkbook. Uh, someone I had never heard of. I didn't get to that point in the actual presser other than just reading notes. So I was curious yeah. as to who, who threw that one out. Yeah, there. Uh, didn't sound like a local person. 
Uh, but asked about access to Chris Illich's checkbook. Eisenman said Chris has always told Steve that he makes the decisions and that Chris will always be supportive of him. Has been since day one, says he wants to win and do things the right way and will do whatever he has to do to win with no restrictions. That's the one thing people kept saying. Chris Illich is cheap. Chris Illich is not going to let him pick the coach he wants. People had said that they they knew for a fact that Illich told him that he had to keep Blash because Blash was cheap. And that is not true. Um, of course, that's not true because that would be stupid. And that's not a smart thing you want to do if you want to make money off your professional sports team. So I don't know why people would say that or insinuate that. But that is the answer to the Chris Illich uh, not giving Iserman enough money bullshit. No, I think if he didn't, sorry, I had a piece of ice in my mouth and you stopped clicking. I thought <laughs> you were going to. Don't choke, Ryan. No, it's just cold. <laughs> it's cold on my teeth. I think if that wasn't his answer. Now, he, he in no way, shape or form is Al Avila which I no. think has now very quickly found sours back amongst the fan base again, or if they never really left for that matter. But you got to think that the focus as always has been is that Illich wants to get back winning because he knows that's, what's going to breathe or breathe life back into the city. If you will. Yeah. Make I mean, it hockey town again, make it hockey town. Now the lions, I don't know. They they've got an exciting draft class that just came through. We're going to see what happens there, but second best rated by pro football focus. Were they see that's huge. Uh, yeah. Right behind Kansas city. They got an a plus. So that's the type of thing. Eisenman's going to need this season to keep that momentum going. Yep. Because we saw how this crowd can be this season. It's the, the best crowd I've seen in a long time. I think you could pretty much say going back to the first season at LCA, final season at the Joe. like Definitely the loudest. The loudest. People were excited. I think online engagement was much more. I mean, now granted, you want to, I'm kind of discounting the last two years because of everything that's been going on in the world. But even before that, from up to that point, the crowd and the fans weren't this excited, maybe with the exception of when Eisenman was actually announced. And yep. to have that going into this offseason, still with that excitement, now you add on to it that Blash was gone. I still hope that there's some tempered expectations. We know what Eisenman's are, and that's to win. That's his job. That's going to be the new coach's job. But we also need to have players appropriate to that so we can actually, you know, celebrate amongst ourselves in the stands with the, the $15 beer that we're going to be throwing around. And when they win, oh, finally Lord. start winning. When they start winning, it's be a $20 beer, yeah, right? Probably inflation, but that's just the point where we're getting to the, the excitement is continuing to build. And I think that just got taken to a whole new level with Jeff Blash will finally being removed. And is it his fault? No, we've said that. Have we get pissed off about him? Have we called for him to be fired? Yes. Did we think that he was going to be fired? No, no, not really. But that we as fans in our bipolar disorder would not be appropriate to not want to have him fired one day and then love him the next because he beat Carolina three nothing. I think what it happened is like now, now there's no excuses. No. Now the people that were bitching about Oh, Jeff Blash will ruin this franchise. It's Jeff Blashel's fault that he's been coach here for too long. It's his fault we're losing. Eisenman said if it today, it was never his fault. Yeah. I mean, he, what more do you he had said, he said that Blash is a good coach. Blash did with what he could with what he had. And we mm-hmm. have said that before. That up until this season, this season is where he had 
better than an AHL roster. And this is where he really had to show up and show what he could do. And he did that the first half of the season. He showed up and showed what he could do the first half of the season. And then just fell back into the old ways of the Jeff Blaschel that could not adapt and could not deploy players the way they should be deployed. And I think you're going to have, and this kind of throws the rest of it into a loop too, is we had talked, are you going to get rid of some players? And next season, I mean, you hope Philip Zadina had an issue with Blashill and has a bounce back season. Yeah. That's, I think that's going to be one of the main players to watch. Yeah. Philip Zadina will be one of the main players to watch. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens there, but the people that were bitching about Blashill, what's their excuse going to be when the next coach comes in and we miss the playoffs again? What's their excuse? Who are they going to scapegoat? Philip Peronic? Are they going to go back after Larkin saying he's not captain material again? Yeah, Dylan, well, they were already saying that on the live chat in YouTube today in Iserman's press conference. Larkin sucks. He's only a 2C. He shouldn't be captain. Stuff like that. So that'll be the next scapegoat. What was Dustin Brown all those years in L.A.? Eventually a third line player, right? Oh, yeah. What, oh. He, what, what specialty did he have? I mean, he was a great two-way forward. Was he, he was el- aggressive. Was he elite? No, Dustin Brown. You never use Dustin Brown in elite in the same sentence. It's so crazy to me. And I know that I've gone on this tangent before that you have to be the best player on your team to where to be the captain. Now, this situation, yes. Is Dylan Larkin the best player on this team? Yes. But you look at teams that are just that a team. You pick the guy that's out there leading them. And Dustin Brown through those cup runs for L.A. did exactly that. Mm-hmm. Well, he even got stripped of his captaincy. Yeah. And then it, then it went up from him and went to Kopitar, which. Yeah. Okay. And he still stayed to play. If I'm stripped of my captaincy, I'm like, all right, fuck you guys. Mm-hmm. Trade me somewhere else. Like no, that's, a, that's a dick move. He ended up getting an A and now he finally is retiring this season, which good for them. They made the playoffs. Right. LA, LA is in, right? Uh, yeah, LA is God, in you the playoffs, me. You, right? looked, you went blank stare again. I was like, wait, did I just make up something crazy that I said it was Ethan's been throwing up NHL Sims at us left and right. So I wonder <laughs> if I got it confused with something right there. No, Ugh. no, you did. You did not get it confused. But but what we want to close out the night on is is kind of coaching replacement options. But first, first, it is playoffs time and it is time to talk about Manscaped. Again, growing out your playoff beard, let the thing loose up top. But our friends at Manscaped are here to help you avoid a jumbo Joe downstairs. The global leaders in below-the-waist grooming want to save your hockey pucks from a slap shot in crunch time this playoffs. Four million men worldwide trust Manscaped to prepare them for the Stanley Cup. Join them and go to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code GRINDLINE. I went to my super awesome uh, advertisement voice. right there, didn't you? Yeah, what just happened? I don't know. <laughs> you know how much fun it has to be to write that promo? To write copy? I know it's amazing. Especially for Manscaped. Like it is as it is, yes. I, I would agree. <laughs> if your job is to market about balls, it's just phenomenal. You've got one of the best jobs in the entire world. I am a marketer. And if my job was just to write copy about people's balls, it I I could probably not find a better job. Because the product is also good. That's the thing. It you is. can't you can't promote a product you don't like. 
Yeah. And I'm, I'm we like I just got some body wash in the mail today. And, and Brian just ordered more stuff. We had people tweeted us telling us they ordered. No, I'm gonna go find. I'm gonna find it. Oh, oh Ryan's gonna do an actual like Vanna White promotion of his stuff. But we had people tweeted us, tweeted us, and say we used your promo code. We got our Manscaped stuff. It is absolutely amazing. Uh, it starts with the perfect package for your package, the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped. Yeah, Hide your beard trimmers because tis the season for ball trimmer. Yeah, look how Ryan shit he's got. Aluminum. You get, Ryan? These are like Show little, it off. These are weapons, man. This, this uh, yeah, is... aluminum. They do it in aluminum uh, bottles. Yeah. What'd you get, Ryan? Show the camera what you got. Got the body wash. Beautiful. Nice. It makes you smell all nice I and fresh. small one, so that, that's going to be it. I like it a lot. And then I got some deodorant here. Nice. What's yeah, it this... smell like? Give it a sniff test. Ooh, it's very manly. I think they use the term uh, cologne scented. Smells like a good cologne. Smell that? That's the magic of our underarm deodorant. Featuring Manscaped signature scent and formulated without aluminum. Your underarms and everything else will thank you. So the Lawnmower 4.0, that is their main product. Lawnmower 4.0 is, a, is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight. You need more precise shave. Check your pubes into the boards with ease this summer. These lines are just amazing. The Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer is also included in the Performance Package 4.0. Uh, it also It's also waterproof, has skin-safe technology, so you can keep the unnecessary roughness on the ice where it belongs this playoffs. And if you're the uh, if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, you need a little bit more roughness right now because it is uh, for nothing. I need to go back currently. to metal blades. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant to keep your balls sticking to your legs from end to end. No one will be chirping you anymore for having smelly balls. If someone, okay, if you have people chirping you about that, there's some big issues. First you have all, bigger, how are they finding out about that? I don't know. Maybe it's a lady friend or man friend oh, or whoever. Uh, and then the Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner. It is made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will give your balls a boost. Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag to keep all your gear stored comfortably. That's a nice bag. Yeah, it is the best uh, travel bag that I've seen in that a while. crocodile skin. It is amazing. It is smooth. It is as smooth as your balls will be with Manscaped. Uh, use promo code GRINDLINE. Get 20% off your order and free shipping. Like I said, we've had people tweet at us that they have ordered their stuff. They're waiting patiently for it to come in. Uh, but again, promo code GRINDLINE on manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. And that will bring us to our last segment of the day, which is going to be talking about coaching replacements. And it's kind of a rough thing to do even after today when Iserman said the words he said. Mm-hmm. Max Boltman did write a, did actually a really, really nice write-up. A uh, really nice write-up on the athletic of possible coaches. So Ricard Gromborg and Lane Lambert were kind of the two names that have been tossed around for the better part of a year now. And I think we'll start with Lane Lambert. Max says, Iserman's former teammate and roommate in Detroit, Lambert has spent the last decade as the right-hand man for Barry Trotz in Nashville, Washington, and now New York. So he's traveled with Barry Trotz. Again, Barry Trotz, one of the best coaches in the league for a very long time. The familiarity with Detroit's GM is interesting, but even without it, Lambert's time learning from one of the NHL's best coaches is invaluable and would have Lambert near the top of any prospective candidate list regardless. The Islanders went to the last two Eastern Conference finals as underdogs and pushed the Lightning to seven games last season. Quote, he is extremely detailed, Islanders forward Matt Martin said of Lambert two seasons ago. You never go into a game not prepared. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that be a change of scenery? It, it would. But I think here, here's where, if we go back to the con question, 
if you're looking for a defensive minded coach, you could almost argue that maybe this is what you're getting. But I think to the point of the quote there is that you're never going into a game, not prepared. It's because they're looking at all of those aspects, because if you look at Barry Trotz over the last several years, maybe this year, notwithstanding, they've had some of the best shutdown defenses in all of hockey. Yep. That Washington team that won the cup, what he was able to do with Nashville all those years, granted they had, you know, some, high caliber goaltending with it. But why can't that happen with a guy like Nadelkovich back there? It can. Yeah. It's what they would do team wise defensively. Now, yes, Nashville, Washington, New York, the Islanders, there were different personnel there. And you also had, you know, guys like Alex Ovechkin scoring goals for you. That kind of helps. Only, only Alex Ovechkin. Yeah. I mean, that's just the laundry list of guys that are in, in Washington, but the biggest thing is, is for how long we made, we, would we make jokes about Ovechkin's controller dying and not playing defense? Yeah. And how quickly um, that, I shouldn't say quickly, but how that eventually changed, especially with Barry Trotz. Like we saw him getting back there. Now, was it anything to be like, oh my God, best defensive forward in the league? No. No, but not a liability on defense. Yeah. He wasn't just standing there at the red line, cherry picking, trying to wait for something to happen. Like he, Barry Trotz and, to his credit, you could say Lane Lambert, what they have been able to do with these teams that yeah, they, it was almost like the Bowman effect. You could say that yep. they were kind of taking that page out of Scotty Bowman's co- career years. Yeah, We know you can do that. offense, do defense. Yep. So that's maybe that could be an expectation that you have there if a, a guy like Lane Lambert, Lane, Lane Lambert is brought in. Now, the next name is Ricard Gronborg. He's currently the head coach of the ZSC Lions in Zurich, Switzerland. Gronborg, who played college hockey at St. Cloud State and coached in the U.S. for several years in the mid-90s and early 2000s, spent nearly a decade coaching Sweden's national team at various levels from U18 to U20 to the World Championships and even the Olympics. Now he coaches Zurich in the Swiss National League, where he has the Lions set for a championship round game seven on Sunday. He reportedly interviewed with the Sabres in 2021 and was a head coach of Sweden's 2016 World Cup team for which Red Wings Vice President of Hockey Operations Nick Lidstrom was an advisor. Oh. So there is a connection, the Iserman connection. People can know how people work with, uh, could work with Iserman. I did not know that he interviewed with the Sabres in 2021. That is also very interesting. That to me tells me he is more than willing to come over to the NHL. If he's interviewing for jobs, he's not afraid of leaving Europe to come to the NHL. And again, the Nick Lidstrom tie, now that Nick Lidstrom is in the organization again, could be even more critical there. Ricard Gronborg, a large Swedish hockey man, beautiful beard, gets very angry. That's the other thing I think that someone else brought up is if you watch the videos of Gronborg, Gromborg goes to bat for his players. You see that video that was going around? Oh, what was that in regards to? Do you know the background there? No, he completely undressed one of the officials, though. Oh, did he really? He uh, very, very loudly and forcefully. That's the one thing they say is he defends his players against wrong calls, against um, if your player's getting hurt and the ref's not doing anything about it, he will destroy you. There are pictures of him screaming very loudly and it is very intimidating because again, large Swedish hockey man, trademark Grindline podcast. Um, but that is, that is what he is. And I, it's an outside the organization pick. It's an outside the league pick. It is something that can bring fresh ideas into the group. 
He's worked with the U18 teams, which is team and U20 teams, which is teams about to be a bunch of Swedish rookies. And I, it's a perfect, to me, this is a perfect fit. Lane Lambert's a great fit to me, Ricard Gromborg with his international experience, his national, uh, his international stage experience and having coached in North America and played in North America before, plus the tie there to Nick Lidstrom. I mean, that's to me, this would be the home run pick. It would make a lot of sense. And if it does happen, I don't think there's going to be very many upset Red no. Wings fans about it. What's funny is that you look at, so for Max's article, he links to that supposed interview with the uh, with Sabres. Buffalo. And the first thing we said that the first comment that pops up, we don't need another international coach that has done nothing in the NHL. We just went through the Kruger fiasco. Okay. Boomer. How that's how badly hurt Buffalo fans were, but I don't (laughs) think that you're going to run into a situation here where you're going to have some guy coming in and resetting your rebuild, if you will. No, like not at all. I, for some reason, I think the comment kept getting brought up today that, the wings needs an aggressive coach or a quote. I'm not going to say quote unquote, but a gritty coach, which I hate that term more often than not. People kept yelling about John Tortorella. No, which I would be, I think that would be terrible for this team. No. Do I like Tortorella? Yes. Do I think that he'd be appropriate for this team? No. He's great for sound bites. He, He is great for sound bites. I enjoy watching him on ESPN right now. I my thing, I think that he'd be better Do you off. you prefer to keep way. him there? <laughs> well, I think ESPN would prefer to keep him there, but he also made it very clear earlier this season that he wants to get back into coaching. So to see him get brought up with Detroit isn't a surprise, but I really don't think that with what we saw in Columbus, now, yes, I think he did turn Columbus around and he had a great tenure there, but yeah. to much of the issues were younger players. And, and specifically, Line, Pierre-Luc Dubois, two of your top guys, granted they were traded for each other, but the drama just kept building upon itself. And it was with some of those guys, like you saw it with, um, yep. not the Zingle, who was, who's the other, Roslevic, you saw it with him. A lot of the guys that is what Detroit has right now just doesn't fit what he could necessarily bring. And that's where you could miss potentially see a regression. We don't need that. I feel like with, with a team that's going to be made of mostly rookies where your older, your oldest player is probably going to be Dylan Larkin after a while, Mm -hmm. you need a coach. I think who's going to be aggressive in standing up for his team, Mm -hmm. but patient with their development. Hell if the player that I think is potentially getting re-signed is re-signed, we could see Magnus Helberg being the oldest player on this roster next season. Oh yeah. And I think Helberg, I think he played great in the last, not, he played very well in the first game for this franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he won. He played good. I mean, he, he had some really good saves. There were some really good yeah. saves. In he, there. It was a very Jimmy Howard esque performance. Well, he also hadn't played in a while, no. but it was it for what he came into the fact that he was able to hold on and get a win. He was under relentless pressure, especially toward the end. Like you yep. got to think that maybe, and I think that's his expectation as well, that he played himself into a contract with Detroit next season. If that's mm-hmm. the case, 
I think that's a win. Do you sign him for a one-year deal? Maybe, maybe two at most, but I don't know if you want to have that overlap or have him right there linked with Ned, but I guess at the same time, it won't necessarily matter. So, but no, he could yeah. be the guy that we're talking about as the oldest one in this. He just turned 31 a month ago. I mean, if Stahl comes back, then he obviously takes back over the grandpa status. Um, Osterley is going to be 30 in June. Sean. No, he's he still has one more year. I, I can't see. Why? I don't I mean, know, but he does. Um, I I don't know what you do there. But I mean, other than that, like Turner Elson's on the on the roster, but I doubt that anything happens there. You send Osterley to Grand Rapids? I would. I mean, I would too. You're gonna need you're gonna need at least. I mean, you could carry Osterley as an extra, but at this point, I'm probably carrying Gustav Lindstrom as an extra. I, I, yeah, I think that's more appropriate. I, I don't really necessarily see who is gonna steal if you will Osterley from us but at the same time you never know he, he fits the role of a depth guy I mean when used sparingly he's okay but I say that loosely yeah when used consistently on a top pair or on a middle pair is a bad idea the person he's replacing should not be in the top four as no, simple as absolutely that. not and because if he's doing that then you're in a bad position and that's where we saw this team at at the end of the end of the year so So before we move on to the last section of the night, I just needed to read a quick message from our sponsor, DraftKings. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests, and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So another name that keeps coming up in the conversation recently is Roger Ronberg. Uh, Roger Ronberg is currently the head coach of Frölunda. Max says that the Red Wings love drafting from Frölunda, the Swedish club from which Detroit has plucked Lucas Raymond, Simon Edmondson, Elmer Soderbloom, and more in recent years. Could they lure away its coach who has led the club to two Swedish championships and the European Champions League four times? NHL teams historically have not hired many coaches out of Europe, but considering how many Swedes in particular Detroit has drafted in recent years, the idea of bringing in a coach who speaks their native language as well as English could be fascinating. Before coaching for Lunda, he led Sweden to world junior gold and his former players speak highly of him. Quote, kind of has that charm between being able to let loose around his players, but also demand a lot when it's game time, said Avalanche forward Gabriel Landeskog, who played for Ronberg in the 2010-11 World Juniors. I mean, if you're going to grab all the Furlunda players, you might as well grab their coach too, right? As long as there's success that comes from it. And we've seen that Furlunda is a a successful team. We know as to how the current draft stock is performing there. Now, yes, some of the guys have been sheltered, but that's also to protect them a little bit, to not get them overexposed, Mm -hmm. hurts, what have you, and also just get used to the game. Now, we saw what Raymond did. We saw how well and how important Edvinson was to them this season and Soderbloom for that matter. So we know what he can do with younger players, which is going to be key. 
And we know and this goes right back to all the names that we mentioned that Max had listed out here are people that Iserman is familiar with. It just, yep. this is, this is the big one of where it all kind of circles back to. And really you can say that about majority of who many of the names that Max listed out throughout the rest of the article, which definitely go check out if you have, have your athletic subscription. But like, I think to me, as we said, and we're not even, we haven't even touched on, you know, former players that played with Eisenman other than Lambert, but other former Red Wings that were ooing and eyeing over. But Gronberg, like you see that connection there and the fact that he's worked with Lidstrom for probably several years. Valunda Red Wings East, that connection with prospects and players, you know that there's constant communication there as to what they've got going on. Lambert, you touched on. To me, it to me, I think that's your top three, or what I would prefer is the top three. Yeah, and Ronberg's been a coach for a really long time. I mean, he's been the coach of Frolunda since 2013-14. So he's going next season would be his tenth year as a head coach of Frolunda. What does he have family wise? Because that's going to be the big one. Are are these guys in position to? Are they going to uproot their family and come over? Or, or are they in a position He's where it's 50 just, years old? So probably not. <laughs> I mean, unless his kids are got off doing their thing or if he has kids, I, I don't know the details of their families. So, yeah, I mean, to me, that's neither here nor there right now. Uh, like I said, 50 years old, if you've got kids, they're probably out of the house or yeah, like, they're close to out of the house or they're in college. Uh, Ricard Gronborg has been coaching forever. Uh, he's been coach of the Lions since 2019, 20. He started off at St. Cloud State University, where he also apparently played, um, but he assistant coached at St. Uh, Cloud State in 94, 95, and was a coach in the United States or in North America until, let's see, 2008, 2009, with the last team in the WHL Spokane Chiefs in 2004, 2005. So there's that. Ricard Gromborg is 53, so I wouldn't worry about having to uproot family there. And Lane Lambert, you don't have to worry about up uprooting family at all. He's been an assistant coach in the NHL since 2011-12. Before that, he was an assistant coach in the AHL from 2005 to 2011. And then before that, the WHL from 2002 to 2005. So they all have a lot of coaching experience in general. And I don't think any of them, you'd have to worry about them moving their family. I mean, Gromborg, we said he, he had interviewed with Buffalo, so he's not worried about that at all. And, and I think that bodes well, like I said, right now, those would be my top three. I mean, number one, Ricard Gromborg, I think is my home run. No. Lane Lambert that is beard, the man. Iserman probably. Yeah. I, Lane Lambert's probably the Iserman safe pick because he knows who he is. And it's not just a safe pick because he's also a really good coach and has been learning from one of the best coaches in the league, but it's probably his safest pick would be Lane Lambert. And then your, I would call Roger Ronberg, your kind of your wild card pick, but there's the tie with Frolunda there. So, you know, that Iserman has the, like you said, it has the familiarity. Yeah, that, that could also be a double-edged sword though. Yes. There's the tie to Frolunda. So do you burn bridges by with the current players that you drafted playing at Frolunda? I don't think so. I think you would have, coach? you would have to have, you would have to know that there's a, a secession plan in Frolunda or that the next person available would be able to do the job. I don't think you do. 
I don't think that the players are really tied to the coach. If anything, I think that's a testament to them going forward and saying, we've drafted you, you've played for this guy, you've all performed very well. So we're going to hire your guy as your future coach going in later. I mean, you could almost treat it as like a Cooper going through Tampa. Yeah. The AHL to NHL. Well, that's another name that was brought up was Benoit Gruel. And we're not going to go too far into him because my, my knowledge of him is not super vast, but Max says Gruel was hired to coach the crunch, the lightning farm team in 2016, 17, when Iserman was still in Tampa and made the Calder cup final in his first season. This season, Syracuse is once again, set to finish near the top of the North division. Perhaps more importantly, though, Iserman's protege in Tampa Bay, now GM Julian Brisebois, has called the 54-year-old Gruel a hockey genius. That's a big endorsement from the person who took over for Iserman with the Lightning, and that makes Gruel one of the top names to watch here. So again, familiarity with Iserman, uh, AHL coach on a very good team or made the team very good. And again, if any a person in an official capacity calls you a hockey genius that's very very high praise so that's another so name we could watch someone used to work for Eisman. yeah and that's another i mean coming from someone who worked for a genius right yeah so that is that's another name to keep watch of um but i guess those i would say those are your top four but again gromborg is my pick i mean heads like heads and tails above everyone else gromborg is my pick i just want that beard you want the beard? That, that, that his beard. Then that could be a t-shirt right there. You yeah, get a I'd picture make of really him good with shirts. just the outline of his face with just the beard. Fear the beard. Yeah. Hashtag fear the beard. Oh, okay. You're we welcome. need it now. We're gonna make You're it. You're welcome. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna do final thoughts and we're gonna sign off. Go ahead, Ryan. Final thoughts. Well, it was a season, that's for sure. <laughs> sure was. Hockey happened, it, Ryan. It did. I, I want I do want to say. Thanks to Blashell for all the years that he did give to this team. I know that we hammered him every which way. We were critical, as fans typically are. But as Eiserman stated today, and as we've kind of said before as well, he was given a very short straw to try to drink from the Atlantic Ocean. And it just didn't go well. He was set up for failure, yet can do nothing but feel for the guy because as I've said before, and I, I know I've said it many, many times over, everywhere that he is coached, he's he's won. Yep. He's again pegged to be an assistant, I think, for Team USA at the World Championships. He did has had a great stellar career at the collegiate ranks and even going down past that. So he was given a terrible hand in Detroit, did what he could with it. Eisman congratulated for it, him for that, but also stated that things just weren't progressing even with an overhaul roster. And that is more or less why he's not here. So we can thank him for what he was able to do in terms of development. We saw guys like Dylan Larkin, Bertuzzi, Aronic, if you want to argue that one, uh, Zadina, Rasmussen. We saw guys that are young and on this team get better. And at this point, that's all we can hope for and ask for. And now we get to see that transition with Raymond and Cider and, and others. So it's going to be, I don't want to say a long summer, but it is going to be a long summer because we're back to a normal schedule. So we've got the playoffs starting tonight, which we've got Toronto up 4 nothing on Tampa at the start of the third, which blows my mind. 
Uh, so it's enjoy the playoffs while we can. Then we go into the lull that is the off season. So we get to start at making up fun stuff and talking to a lot of random people. So, but other than that, already Ryan 33. My final thoughts are going to be um, <laughs> thank you for keeping up with us this whole season. Um, we have had a lot of fun. We've talked to a lot of cool people. Danielle is going to be on again in a couple of weeks to talk more about mm-hmm. the coaching stuff. Uh, we're going to have Tony on to talk about prospects. We do not take a break. We will be here every week, but through the off season, uh, it could get dry guys. Just a warning if nothing happens for a while. Um, but there is a lot of stuff. Uh, bring that, random people on. There's we'll a, yeah. There's a lot of work to be done with this team and we're going to keep covering everything. Every bit of news will happen. We will be here weekly with everyone. I think we probably every summer take a week off to do stuff. And, but we're generally here every week. So uh, stay tuned with us. And again, thank you. If you all saw the video, thanking the uh, social media team over at the Red Wings, I put that together and it was really nice and they liked it. Uh, They liked it and I liked it and it was a lot of fun. It was the first time I had ever done a video like that. And I think I did a, a decent job at it. Uh, you can follow me online at bringing the wing. You can follow the grindline podcast online grindline pod. We'd like to give a shout out to Howie's hockey tape. Where if you use the promo code grindline, you get 10% of your order. Use that same promo code on bring hockey back. You get 12% off. We also like to thank the hockey podcast network at hockey pod net on Twitter for hosting our podcast and spreading it around. Thank you for our new subscribers on YouTube. You can go to YouTube and search the grindline and subscribe to us there for video content. Uh, we plan to do more than just uh, listing our podcasts on YouTube. There will be extra content on YouTube eventually as well. We also like to give a shout out to Vintage Detroit. They're awesome and amazing. And that's the only place you should ever get any of your Detroit sports gear from is Vintage Detroit. You can go to their website, vintagedetroit.com or follow them on Twitter at Vintage Detroit. And I think that's it. No, Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com, search the grind line. You'll find our merch there. Uh, More merch will be coming this summer as design ideas flow through my brain and out into a computer. Uh, We will also be streaming live soon on Twitch and uh, YouTube. It'll be interesting as soon as I get that set up. But that's going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.